give me a moment. I have about 30 minutes of stuff from God's Word, and I've only got 12 minutes on the clock. So, um, and I know some of you have dinner cooking, and I surely don't want that five-pound roast to turn into a one-pound rock. So, let's consider uh, God's Word today. We need to... um, feast upon it. We need, this is our our food. This is the bread that God gives us. Do you remember the time that you first knew that you were in love? Now we could call upon the 50-year-old, 50-year marriage over here and ask them to share, but that would take even more of my time away. Lots of stories of, of, of seeing love. Um, but that time when you knew you were in love, not when you fell in love, but you knew you were in love. Not, not when you were infatuated with a person, you know, and I'll be honest to tell you, in my junior high and high school days, I was infatuated on a weekly basis. God has made man and woman, and he made, well, some women that were, you just spend a little bit more time looking at than others. I was infatuated numerous times, but I know now that I was not in love. Some have called it, though, they have called it puppy love, but then, you know, puppy love is real to puppies. And I was kind of like one of those little puppies. But when did you know that you were in love? Love is a learning process. We learn it by experiencing life together. When Linda and I met in the summer of 1975, working at Mount Hermon Christian Conference Center, um, she came to camp uh, with her boyfriend. So she didn't notice me right off the bat. And I'll be honest, I really didn't notice her either, even though we worked closely together. And God, through our director's, uh, I don't know, finagled stuff and, and put us together working with fifth and sixth graders for the, almost the entirety of the summer. We worked together day in and day out. And they had a um, work auction among the um, staff there that um, the uh, families living in the Mount Hermon area could, um, could hire us and the money that they would pay us would go to the ministry of the camp. It just so happened that just one family who um, has been a great part of my life growing up um, thought it would be good to hire Scooter and Grizzly to wash their windows. 
And so I was on the outside of the window while Linda was on the inside of the window, so we saw each other's face all day long. Long story short, um, there finally came a day when I knew I loved this woman. I learned that. And I don't know if it's true after 50 years of marriage, but I know it's true after 44 years of marriage that I'm still learning. I'm still experiencing new things in life. Loving relationships are key to the life of the church. And those loving relationships are I believe, best met in doing life together. Washing windows, as it were. Working side by side for the kingdom. Those opportunities that put us together as the body of Christ and make us family and also at the same time draw us together to love one another. When Jesus was speaking to his disciples, as John records it in the 13th chapter, he says, uh, this is my command to you, that you love one another. We are to love one another, Jesus tells us, as he loves us. And eventually would give himself up for us. We are to live the way that Jesus lived. We are to love one another. The people not only sitting next to you, but the people who are sitting in front of you and the people who are in the balcony. We are to love one another inside, as Andy said, inside the walls of the church and outside the walls of the church. We are called to love one another. It's the mark, Jesus says, of being his follower that we have love one for another. I learned a number of years ago that love is more than an emotion. It's an act of the will based upon an knowledgeable, dare I say, intellectual understanding of another person's need and then responding to that need. Again, love is more than an emotion. Yes, there are emotions involved in love, but love is so much more. The love of God is so much more that is to be expressed in us by looking at the people around us and getting to know the people around us and finding out what their real need is and responding to that need. As the story of, of New Hope has been shared today and shared at other times, there is a need-meeting love that comes through the life of that church. It first, in love, meets the needs of those who are hungry, as the Bible would say, hungry and naked. And so they reach out with the love of Christ, but... Um, Dare I say that what was evident on uh, Pastor Annie's heart today, what really uh, 
touches him deeply is when people surrender their lives to Jesus. That's the need. We can feed all the people in the world, but if we don't give them Jesus, we've missed the boat. Love is more than just a feeling. It's expressed in some tangible way. Remember in Luke chapter 5, the event that takes place, and um, um, I even think they filmed it in The Chosen that we talked about this morning in Sunday school, or Adult Bible Fellowship, or whatever we call that thing where Jesus is speaking in a house in a, to a crowd that is pressing in upon him. There is no room. We can see people hanging in the windows, wanting to hear what Jesus, this rabbi, has to say. And somewhere in that little town, there are a group of men who, though the Bible doesn't say it specifically, their actions prove this, that they loved a friend who was a paralytic, who could not move, who could not offer anything to them, could only receive from them. And there must have been the sharing of life together so much that these men took their friend to Jesus because they heard that Jesus heals people. They could not get in the door, so they climbed up upon the roof which I'm sure the homeowner did not appreciate. Especially, I could see the homeowner in the house looking up at his roof, hearing feet up there, thinking this is not a good thing. And then all of a sudden, daylight begins to break through as they remove either the thatch or the tile or maybe dig through the mud in order to make a hole big enough above Jesus and there's, that's one thing. It must have been a God thing that they knew exactly where Jesus was standing in order to big that hole in the right spot. Because they lowered their friend down to Jesus. And Jesus looked at the man, and he shared with him the four spiritual laws. He opened up the scriptures and explained the work of God from Genesis to Malachi. And he asked the, the man, do you want to be saved? That's not how the story goes. Jesus looked at the man, laying down before him, unable to move, and Jesus ex expressed need-meeting love. He says to the man, get up and walk. Now, I don't know what feeling came through the man that he knew that all of a sudden he could obey and stand up and walk. And I'll put this in our present term right while we, where we are sitting, those of us in the room, many in the church, the religious leaders said, 
this is not a good thing. Nobody um, forgives sins. Because you see, what happened first was not the healing, but the expressing of what the man's real need was. His real need was to have his sins forgiven. Jesus' work words came into question, and um, the religious leaders um, did not like what he had did, done, and so Jesus proves the fact that he has the ability to forgive sins, that that's the most important thing, and has the man stand up and walk. That's love expressed. Love that sees the real need, which is to be saved, but also love that reaches out to meet the physical need. In Acts chapter 2, there is a, um, if you've been part of a church for any length of time or been a follower of Jesus, there is a description of the first church meetings. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And those teaching would have been the apostles' teaching, not just the Old Testament, but teaching them what Jesus had taught them. People were hungry for that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, having things in common together, they did life together, to the breaking of bread, and some have explained that as having communion, others have explained it as just eating together. Both of those things can happen. And the prayers. Being Jews, um, they had set prayers our psalms or numbers of those things that were used as set prayers. And these were still um, mostly Jews at this time who knew how to pray, knew what to pray, knew to whom they were praying. So they devoted themselves to teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Verse 43 says, And great awe came about every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing uh, belongings and distributing all the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That is doing life together. 
That is the outworking of loving one another. And for us in the church, it's often experienced in things like our small groups, groups of, of individuals who get together to love on one another, to meet the needs, to break bread together, to open God's word together, to pray together. And if anyone has a need in those groups, they minister uh, physically and with grace to those people in need. And um, both these loving relationships and these um, small groups are vital to the health of the church. It's where the church lives. It's where the body thrives. It's where health comes from. And that is our call. One of the things that we are to do as a church as we are looking forward in this transition period to say, how do we develop loving relationships? And out of that, how do we develop what we want to call holistic um, small groups? And holistic can be a scary word today, but all that holistic means is that um, the parts are what make up the whole. That every part is in, important, not to be left out. Small groups are not just about reading the word and say, well, we read the passage for the day, we're done. But it's reading the word, it's praying, it's sharing together, it's having fellowship, it's meeting the needs of one another. That is where love is worked out, and as it's worked out in those small groups, it seeps out from those that have been loved on so that they can love others. It's the mark of the church. It's what we are to be. It's one of the indicators that there is health in the church. And it's what we are working toward or building up here at Bethesda. Back in... Um, my seminary days, I heard of um, Tertullian. He was one of the early church fathers. He was raised an atheist in the middle part of his life. He came to surrender to Jesus. He lived probably, oh, somewhere around 160 AD to 230 or somewhere in there. But he became one of the great theologians of the church. And during that period of time, the church was not looked fondly upon. It was struggling. There was persecution going on. The Romans did not like the church, and others did not like the church. And Tertullian, in one of his writings, um, talking about the hate that the Romans had for the church, said this, look, the Romans say, speaking about the church, the Romans are saying, look how they love one another. For the Romans themselves hated one another. They, there wasn't a love fest going on. Everybody kind of lived for themselves. 
Look how they love one another and how they are ready to die for each other. This is the enemy of the church confessing that even though we don't like their Jesus and their strange way of doing life together, there is a love that permeates out of them that is not understood. And that love was expressed even to the point that they are willing to suffer and to die for one another. It was incredibly countercultural. And that's what we are called to be. We are to be a place that love exists and love happens first among each other. And then as we learn how to love each other well, we can take that love outside the walls. Love our neighbors and our coworkers and our classmates well. This is the kingdom. This is what God calls us to. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda. M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.